Amen. Give him a clap offering. Praise the name of the Lord God Almighty. Jesus Christ is risen. That sounded great. Let's do it one more time. Jesus Christ is risen. Man, we got that down pat. Praise the Lord. You may have a seat. And um, if you have your Bibles um, open, please turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Friday night, we had an awesome Good Friday service. We, we looked at the cross, and we looked at the seven, seven last statements of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got you to keep in mind, Good Friday was not a Good Friday back then. It's a Good Friday for us. It's the day that Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven and be brought into a new and living relationship with him. But for the disciples, it was a horror show. The one they had put their hopes in was dead on the cross. He's laid in a borrowed tomb. Saturday had to be the most perplexing day, the longest day in history for the disciples. And then early on Sunday morning, on that first resurrection Sunday, we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 28. And I want to read verses 1 through 10 with you guys. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 says, Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And he came up, excuse me, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your resurrection of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we rejoice in today. That is our salvation, your death and your resurrection. So, Lord, thank you for that. And, Lord, let this truth be crystal clear in every believer's heart and mind this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen and amen. He is risen. Amen. Good deal. Good job. Good job. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He was dead, laid in a borrowed tomb. And he, God the Father raised him. This, my friend, is the pinnacle of Christianity. What happened on this weekend, if you get this, if you understand this, this will set you on fire. When you understand that Jesus paid the price for your sin and you're completely forgiven. And then to, to, to make it glorious and great, the Father put his seal of approval on the cross 
by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is Lord. This is the foundation of our faith. This is the pinnacle of Christianity. And the title of my message this morning is, This Could Change Your Life. Five ways I want to present to you this morning how the resurrection of Jesus Christ can transform your life. And believer, be encouraged, be challenged, be rejuvenated, be be carried forward in your Christian walk. And if you're not a believer, understand this morning why you need Christ. That's my hope and that's my prayer, is understanding why the res- how the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts your life. I- I'm an expositor. I teach verse by verse through the Bible. But on Easter Sunday and on Christmas, I give you a topical message. And today is a topical message because I want to focus on the resurrection. Is that cool? Let's do it. So, Five ways the resurrection can impact your life. Well, first off, you need to understand this. I want to give you a little brief uh, history of what I said on Friday night. That first resurrection weekend that we celebrate now, it did not start with pomp and splendor and celebration. For Jesus' followers, the, that weekend was painful. It was agonizing. They were shell-shocked. They were paralyzed in fear. They were perplexed. They were crushed. Their worst nightmare was taking place before their very eyes. The one, they had, the, the one that they had clung to, the one they, they, they hung on every word he said. The, the, one, the one that they thought that was going to bring in and remove the tyranny of Rome and, and bring liberation to the nation of Israel. The one that they argued about who's going to sit on the left and who's going to sit on the right is now dead. They had put the, the one they put their hopes in was, had been scourged, beaten, nailed to a cross. Now he's mangled beyond recognition. He's hanging dead on a tree. Deuteronomy says, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.13 says, Jesus became a curse for you and me. I don't even like the way that sounds. But it's the truth of what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus became a curse. He died on the cross in our place to pay the price for our sins. And now... 36 hours later, the women are going to the tomb. And what are they, if, you, if you read the passage in, in Matthew 28, what are they doing? They're going there with spices and perfume. They're not looking for a resurrected Jesus. They're not looking for a resurrected Jesus. They are coming to prepare the body for burial. And take a look at verse 6. I'll bring it up on the screen. But in the passage we just read, it says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, Come and see the place where he was lying. You see, these ladies go from the deepest, darkest place of despair to the highest peaks of joy. He is risen. And the resurrection transformed these women and men from being weak, feeble, and scared to courageous followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to be a courageous follower of Christ Do you want to live passionately for him? Then let this soak in. Understand the cross. Understand his resurrection. It it changed their life, and it can change yours also. So let's look at number one. The first way, the first reason I present to you this morning, the uh, impact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is it proves Jesus is who he says he is. It's the evidence. 
Uh, bring up Matthew 28, 6 again. There we go. It says, he is not here for he is risen. Look at that phrase I circled. Just as he said. See, Jesus had told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise from the grave. But it didn't, just, it didn't sink in. And so many people go to church today and it doesn't sink in. They hear it, but it and it gets into here, but it doesn't get into here. And we need to understand that this is the evidence of who he is. This is the proof he is who he says he is. You see, throughout history, many claim, many people claim to be spokesmen from God. But herein lies the test. People, people have, there were hundreds of people who came back in the first century claiming to be from God, claiming to have a message. There are people today that claim to uh, be the Messiah, to, to be from God. But herein lies the real test. People come, they give their message, they die, and they stay dead. But there was one who came. He came, he gave his message, he died, and he did not stay dead. That's what separates Jesus Christ from all the other religions of the world. You can go to their founder's grave today, but you can't find Jesus' grave. You can't find that place because the tomb is empty. You see, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to prove it, and that's exactly what Jesus did by his resurrection from the dead. He proved who he said he was. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1.4. He says, he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Look at the verse for yourself. How was he declared to be the son of God? The very last six words. He was declared to be the son of God by, that's the key word, by the resurrection from the dead. This was how God declared. This is part of his declaration that he is deity. He is God. He died on the cross and he rose from the grave. And my friend, you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. You can bank your life on him. Listen to what R.C. Sproul says. R.C. Sproul says, and I quote, the resurrection was God the Father's way of authenticating all the truths that were declared by Jesus. Why do, why do we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life? Because he rose from the grave. Why do we believe he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? Because he rose from the grave. Why do we believe he's the Son of God? Because he rose from the grave. Why do we believe he's the Lamb of God? Because he rose from the grave. Why do we believe he's the Great I Am? Why do we believe he's the Sovereign Lord? Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose from the grave. See, everything he said... Everything he said, his promise of heaven, his promise to fill you with the Holy Spirit, all his truths hinge on his resurrection. We don't listen to dead people, okay? We listen to people that are alive. And that's who we listen. And that's, that's the thing. This is what enabled the disciples to, to endure persecution, to, to refuse compromise. It's because they knew in their hearts Jesus was who he said he was. Uh, Eleven of the twelve disciples died a martyr's death. Uh, one of them was, was hooked in the ankles, hung upside down to his death. Uh, Peter was crucified up down. Paul was beheaded. 
Matthew was speared to death. Thaddeus was speared to death. Why did they endure such persecution? Why did they go to their death for Christ? Because they knew he was who he said he was. And my friend, you and I can bank our life on that. That's, that's the first impact that the resurrection has on us today is it proves that Jesus is who he says he is. Number two, the resurrection of Christ was God's stamp of approval that the sacrifice on the cross was complete. It was, it was, it was complete. I, bring, I present to you Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. It says, He who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he, talking about Jesus, did once and for all when he offered up himself. And I, I ask you to look at those last four words of Hebrews 7.27, where it says, he offered up himself. Jesus presented himself to the Father as the sacrifice for your sin and for my sin and for the disciples' sin. Jesus' death on the cross was an offering to God the Father. Jesus was our lamb placed on the brazen altar of God's holiness so that our sins could be forgiven. Remember the temple picture and the, the brazen altar and they had to sacrifice the lamb and they had to present it on the brazen altar. They had to burn it up, consume it, take the blood into the Holy of Holies. Well, that lamb that was offered in the Old Testament was a picture of Christ because Christ is our lamb. He, 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 is, he is our lamb. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he, talking about the Father, made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He is our lamb. Family, we don't have, our, we don't have a righteousness of our own. We have nothing but filthy rags. We have nothing to present to the Lord. The Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. There's no good thing in us that dwells in us. But Christ in us, trusting in Christ, believing in Christ, is our sacrifice. You see, Jesus Christ was perfect. He did not need forgiveness. Who needed forgiveness? You and me. We needed forgiveness. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us, and then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And going back to my point number two, the Father's stamp of approval that the sacrifice on the cross was complete. Uh, Jesus' resurrection from the dead means that what took place on the cross was sufficient, accepted, and complete. The implication for you today is this. The application, the implication, the truth that you want to bring home from number two is this. The resurrection says to us today that if you are trusting in the cross, you are truly forgiven. Rejoice, my friend. Rejoice, the slate is clean if you're trusting in the cross because the Father accepted the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross by raising him from the dead. That is beautiful. That is glorious. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation on us? Because the condemnation fell on Christ. 
He took the, he, he took the bullet. He took the bullet for us. He took, he took the wrath. He took the bullet. And he gives us his righteousness. That is beautiful. That is glorious. Point number three. Point number three. The third way that this resurrection of Jesus Christ could change your life is that you need to understand this. Is that uh, Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Psalms 16, 10. Psalms 22. Isaiah 53, verses 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 16, 10 says this. I love this passage. It says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One, and there's only one that's holy, and that's God, Jesus himself, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. The scriptures... You know, this wasn't uh, an afterthought. This wasn't a, oh, no, Jesus is dead. I got to raise him from the grave. The father, the father wasn't looking down from heaven when that thought. No, this was the plan from eternity past. This was the plan from before creation that Jesus would come into this world, pay the price for our sins, rise from the grave, and that we would trust in him. And the scriptures and the resurrection of Christ, the Holy Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and the resurrection of Christ are like this. They're interlocked. You can't separate them. You can't separate them. Paul himself in Corinthians tied the authority of Scripture to the resurrection of Christ. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, where the apostle says, For I receive, which I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. What does it say? According to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and here it is, and that he was raised on the third day. What's the next phrase? According to the scriptures. Do you see the tie? Do you see the connection? The, the scriptures, the inspiration, the authority, the infallibility of scripture is, is forever tied to the resurrection of Christ. You can trust in the resurrection of Christ in the same way you trust the word of God. You can trust in the word of God in the same way you trust in the resurrection. They all go together. And because of Jesus's, because of Jesus's resurrection, you can trust this book. You can trust this book. You can trust every single word, every single verse you can bank your life on. You can build your life upon the truths of Scripture. See, here at Calvary Chapel, we're not studying the Bible just to fill our heads with a bunch of knowledge, but we're, we're, we're filling our hearts with the Scriptures because we know that the Scriptures cause us to grow in our faith and to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can love the Bible you can believe the Bible. You can trust the Bible. You can study the Bible because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And his resurrection will be forever tied to the authority and inspiration of Scripture. You know, when we open the Bible, it's the Lord speaking to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's, it's the anastasis. It's breathed out by the Lord for our instruction to grow in our faith. The Bible, because of, because of Christ's resurrection, the Bible is like a vast treasure of gold. Now, I don't know about you, but man, if I found a pot of gold 
I'd be happy. I'd be digging. I'd be checking it out. I'd be like showing it off and rejoicing and just, just relishing in the truth that I have a pot of gold. And that's what we have in the Holy Scriptures. We have a pot of gold. That's why every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, we dive into it. Sunday mornings, we dive into the New Testament. Wednesday nights, we dive into the Old Testament. But what we're doing, we're mining it. We're mining it for treasures to build our life on, to grow in grace, to grow in our love, to grow in faithfulness, to grow in our commitment, and just to be blessed and not to be religious or to have a head full of knowledge, but to have real, a real true heartfelt commitment to Christ and to walk in obedience to his law. This scripture, because of the resurrection of Christ, is how you get to know God intimately. And again, that's why we study the scriptures here at Calvary Chapel. And we love it. And you should study it at home, with your family, in discipleship groups. You know, it doesn't just take place here. It takes place wherever you're at in life. Study the scriptures and let the Lord speak to you. And, and let it be real. Why? Because of the resurrection from the dead that Paul ties to the authority of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at number four. The fourth reason I present to you this morning how the resurrection of Christ can impact your life is it simply brings hope. It brings hope. The resurrection of Christ brings hope into our hearts. For you ready for this? This life, yes, and eternity. That's what the resurrection does. It brings hope for this life and eternity. You see, when you trust in Christ, when you trust in the scriptures and you receive him in this life, there's certain things you get to experience. You get to experience complete forgiveness. All your sins washed away. A clean conscience. I can lay my head on my pillow at night and sleep in peace because I know my soul is right with the Lord. You get to experience grace. You get to experience God's amazing grace in this life. What does that word grace mean? His unmerited favor in this life. You get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit-filled life. Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He poured out his Spirit. Uh, he, he pours out his Spirit on the hearts and lives of of his people when they call out to him, when they, when they go through seasons where they, have to, where they repent and they, and, they, and they cry out to him. Because of this truth, the, he, the Holy Spirit gets poured into our life. And this is one of the things I love. It's because of the resurrection of Christ that we're here this morning. We get to experience fellowship. We get to, I, 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 I know you guys and you know me because of our common faith. In Christ Jesus. And we met here at church or we met wherever. We meet in homes. But we've come together. And that is a benefit of the resurrection. It's because Jesus Christ is risen. He's established his church. And now we get to all have fellowship together. That's beautiful. That's glorious. That's in this life. And that is true. And that does take place. But also, the resurrection not only brings hope for this life, but it brings hope for eternity, eternity. You know, 
There's nothing more important than where you spend eternity. When you leave this stage of life, you will be gone for a very long time. And as Ray Comfort says, there's nothing more important than your eternal salvation. I didn't get that accent just right, but you know what I'm saying. There's nothing more important than your eternal salvation. Where we spend eternity matters more than anything in this life. Just by the simple fact of the duration of the length of it. There's nothing more important. That, that, is, that is of the utmost importance. And, we, and we, we have eternity in heaven when we trust in Christ. He is our ultimate hope. Eternity is our ultimate hope. One day, I don't know, that, I don't know when that day will be. You don't know when that day will be. It might be before I finish this message. It might be 500 years from now. I don't know, man. No man knows the day nor the hour. But one day, that trumpet will sound. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. But I, one day, thank you. One day, that trumpet will sound. And you and I, this is mind-blowing. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe this. I, I, I just know the scripture says one day it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to be like or what, what we're, how we're going to experience but one day, because of the resurrection of Christ, you and I are going to be clothed with immortality. That is cool. That is just a really cool concept to think about. That one day, death will be defeated at Christ's return. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, because of the resurrection of Christ... He will come again. For the Lord himself, talking about Jesus, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. And that is such a, an apocalyptic uh, verse that that sometimes it's hard to get our minds wrapped around because we've never seen it happen, but it's a biblical truth of his return, the rapture, that's founded upon his resurrection from the dead. Just, as the, just, just so that, just as the same truth that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, he promises he will return and he will establish his kingdom. And he closes uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I don't know about comfort, but man, that's like life-changing to me. But we're to encourage one another. Brother there's, brother, there's an end in sight. Sister, there's an end in sight. Your, your suffering, your trials, your difficult trying situations that you find yourself in, they will come to an end. They will come to a close. And one day, all the sin and all the bad things that's happened in this life will be swallowed up in victory as you stand before the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in glory. So because of Christ's resurrection, number four, it brings hope. It brings hope for this life and eternity. You know, hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, I'm hoping this happened. Hope is a certainty in the future. Hope is, is not fixed on our political climate or, or what's going on in the world, but our hope 
is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will come again, and he brings hope to our life. He brings joy to our life when we trust in him, and we get to experience him in all his power, in all his glory, because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. This could change your life. Finally, the final point I want to present to you this morning in the resurrection of Christ. And this is the most important, so please listen closely. This is number one. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's invitation to you to come follow him. See, by what he did on that weekend, if all he did was die on the cross and he stayed dead, the cross would be of no avail. But because he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he conquered death, and and many days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Because of his resurrection, he is inviting you now, today, to come and begin this new journey with him, to, to begin to follow him with all your heart. See, it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he invites you to come and repent. Repent. Turn from the old life. Turn from your sin. Forsake the old way of living. To do a complete 180. You know, we turn from sin. 1 John 3, 4 says, what is sin? Sin is transgression of God's moral law. See, God's got this thing called the Ten Commandments. And if you're honest with yourself, you and I have broken those Ten Commandments. The, uh, the Eighth Commandment says you shall not steal. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours regardless of its value? I have in my life. The Ninth Commandment says you shall not lie. Have you ever told a lie? That's a violation of the Ninth Commandment. Guilty, 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 guilty. The seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus steps up the bar and he says, uh, he or she who looks with lust commits adultery in their heart. See, God not only looks at our actions, but he looks at our heart. And that moral law, the Ten Commandments, what's the purpose of the Ten Commandments? The purpose of the Ten Commandments, they're not a guide for life, which they can be a guide, but that's not their point in the New Testament. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to show you why Jesus died on the cross. You ask yourselves, have I kept the Ten Commandments? Have I lied? Have I stolen? Have I, have I, um, it's the third commandment says, you shall not use God's name in vain. And he who uses his name, by no ways God will hold him uh, guiltless. You and I are guilty of breaking the law. You and I are guilty of breaking God's commandments. And that is why Jesus died on the cross. Because you and I have broken his law. And he invites us by his resurrection to repent and forsake that old lifestyle and to put our trust in him. By his resurrection, he invites you to believe in him. By his resurrection, he invites you to trust him. By his resurrection, he invites you to love him. And by his resurrection, this this, this is the word that I think grabs the essence of salvation. This this is the one word to me that grabs the essence of what salvation is. And it is surrender. Have you surrendered your life 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the resurrection is an invitation. Who else, is, who's conquer, who else has conquered death? Who else has risen from the grave? No one but one, and that was Jesus Christ. And he invites you to come and surrender. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? That's what the resurrection is for. The resurrection and his death on the cross was for your salvation and for you to repent, believe, and surrender your life to him. Have you done that? If you haven't, let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that you say, Lord Jesus, I understand what this preacher's saying. I understand you died on the cross for my sins. I understand you rose from the grave. And now I want to follow you from here into eternity. I want to surrender my life to you. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. And Father, I pray, Father, for every believer this morning that they are encouraged by your resurrection from the dead. Father, that they are reminded that they are challenged Lord God, and, and, and Lord, I pray that there's a celebration in their soul that you are truly risen from the dead. But Father, if there be any person here this morning that has not surrendered their life to you, to believe in you, to trust you, to love you, to surrender to you, I pray, Father God, that you will give them the courage this morning to do that very thing and to say, Lord Jesus, uncle, I surrender to your lordship. I surrender to you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.